Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Mafia, I'm looking at you. Buffalo, I'm talking about you. Because I've been talking about you a hell of a lot the last few weeks, right? I've had Jordan Poyer on this show. I've had Micah Hyde on this show. I appeared on Kim Pagula's podcast. So what I'm saying is nobody's got more karma right now than the Buffalo Bills, which is why I'm going to say the following. It is all right there for you. All of it. An AFC championship, a trip to the Super Bowl, the Lombardi itself. Everything you ever wanted, Bills Mafia, all right in front of you. I'm here in L.A. waiting for you to come. Kansas City is dealing with linebacker Willie Gay getting busted for property damage. And who knows what kind of a fallout that might involve. KC's defense, which looks so bad and then so good, has been exposed once again late in the year. What I'm saying to you, in other words, KC is dangerous, but they are beatable. Now, that's not to say they're not hungry. They are. Winning one has only made them want another. My man, Andy Reid, said it best in terms of hunger. Yeah, well, if you like chocolate cake and you eat a piece and then you have one dangled in front of your face, you're probably going to want to eat that too. Not much is going to stop you. So, I mean, that's how... That's how you feel about the Super Bowl. I mean, that's, uh, that, that is the chocolate cake with the ultimate frosting. And then uh, you're going to try to go get it if you can. You know, that's the best you can. That's why he's the best. However, Buffalo is staring at their own enormous hunk of chocolate cake. This might not be the Super Bowl, but if they get that win and they get revenge for last season, it's going to taste pretty damn good, like chocolate cake always does. Look, it's never going to be easy to beat the two-time defending AFC champs in their house in the postseason. I've been in that house in the postseason. It's fierce. But it's never going to be more possible than it is right now. This is the third trip to Kansas City in less than a year for Buffalo. They know what to expect. They know what that crowd's going to be like. They know what the weather's going to be like. They know what the opposition's going to be like. They know what the elements are like. They know all of this. They know that they smashed them in their place earlier this season. And yes, Kansas City was a different team back when that happened, for sure. But so are the Bills. As good as Buffalo was in Week 5, they're better now. And that was a blowout in Week 5. They were the better team then, and it says here they're the better team right now. Yeah, I said it. Fact is, Buffalo is better than Kansas City. Fact. I'll say it again. Kansas City put up 42 on Pittsburgh last week, but who cares about that? That should not scare the Bills. Just like going to Arrowhead should not intimidate them either. At this point, nothing is going to intimidate the Bills. They're not going to blink. They're not going to flinch. They just thrashed the Patriots. They were literally unstoppable. And I mean literally. New England could not stop Buffalo's offense. Only Buffalo could stop Buffalo's offense. And that was when they took that knee at the end of the game. Buffalo did not punt. Not once against the Pats. In fact, incredibly, they have not punted in three of their last four games. Why even carry a punter? The Bills are the team right now that everybody thought they'd be at the start of the season. That weird stretch, 
in the middle of the year, which somehow included a loss to New England, the steamrolling by Indy, and the handing of Pervin Meyer, his only NFL win on American soil. All ancient history. Josh Allen is playing like an MVP. He's got total mastery of that offense. His connection with his receivers has never been better. And when he tucks it, he's not just running through guys and away from guys. He's juking dudes out of their ACLs. But he doesn't have to do it alone. Devin Singletary is impacting games more than he ever has. He's giving Buffalo a legitimate threat on the ground that's not Josh Allen. And defensively, where everybody has been sleeping on this unit all year long, they're finally getting the credit that they've earned. I've been saying for years that they're not, you're not, going to find a better safety combination than Poyer and Hyde. And right now, maybe y'all are waking up to that. It just took Micah Hyde making that crazy play to sound the alarm. Jones pumps, pumps, long launch deep down the left side in double coverage. It is picked off, a sliding grab in the end zone by the Bills' Micah Hyde. He perfectly timed it like a slip and slide on that frigid turf, and he intercepts it in the blue end zone. The Bills have the best pair of safeties in the NFL. He's not wrong. I've been saying that for a while. So the Bills came into the season with crazy high expectations. They'd be the first to say that they did not live up to it early on, but they are now. They aren't just winning games, they're getting theirs. They're getting revenge. Last week, it was that out-and-out humiliation of Bill Belichick. They not only punched the bully in the mouth, they broke his face, then they stomped on his head repeatedly. This week, it's Kansas City. The Bills players remember that bitter taste of losing in the playoffs last year. They haven't forgotten that. And yes, this is interesting too. Let's not forget this. Two class guys, but let's not forget their history. Sean McDermott and Andy Reid do have history. And that history includes Reid firing McDermott as D coordinator. And as McDermott said at the time, quote, that crushed me. I get it. Who wouldn't be crushed? by getting canned like that. But you want to add some salt to that wound. You want to add some chocolate frosting to that cake. Reed replaced him with an offensive line coach. Not only did he fire him as a D coordinator, he replaced him with an O-line coach. You want to talk about the ultimate kick in the package. McDermott has said that he and Reed joke about that now, but you can't tell me for a second that McDermott has forgotten about that. And you sure as hell can't tell me that McDermott does not want to get over on his old boss. They've already buried the Patriots. Now it's time for them to get at KC. It's like the Bills' revenge tour rolls on. Hey, one more thing to consider. I will say this. I will say this. Bills Mafia. Mahomes? 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 He's no Mac Jones. So, one guarantee. I do not think... Andy Reid is going to change Patrick's diapers at halftime and breastfeed him. Did this little Josh McDaniels really call for a fake spike down 27 at the end of the first half? Other than changing Mac Jones' diaper at halftime, then breastfeeding him after the game, McDaniels has rendered himself pretty much useless. Rick and Buffalo is tremendous. 
You know what's useless? Meatloaf and Louie not leaving us for even 15 minutes before you ghouls rush to your keyboards. Who thinks that person who I've never met that I don't know died Therefore, I've got to get my jokes to Rome about that. Have I ever once in the history of my Hall of Fame radio career sat in front of a camera or before a microphone and said, hey, you know what? That celebrity over there, dead. Let me get your reaction. And In fact, I don't want your reaction. I don't want your favorite memories. I don't want your favorite song. I don't want your favorite show. But what I want you to do is clown that person. Mock that person. Make jokes about that person. Have I ever done that? Not on my worst day. Have you ever done that? Every bleeping time. I mean, you can't even believe this. It's divisional weekend. Divisional playoff weekend in the NFL. Why is every bit of reaction I'm getting about Meatloaf and Louis Anderson... And what does Charlie Weiss have to do with any of this? Whose show is this? Because if it's my show, we're not running it like this. Why is Russell Crusant in? Hey, Brad, thank you for nothing. If you're like me, your weekend plans include kicking back and watching live sports. And it doesn't matter what sport you're watching. It's always fun to have a little action. Personally, to start the new year right, I've got my eye on the critical NFC Divisional Playoff matchup in Green Bay. That's why I recommend downloading the WinBet app right away. Whether you're a recreational player or a serious handicapper, WinBet is your ticket to every exciting wager, from straight bets to parlays, teasers, and any exotic proposition wager that you can dream up. The app is easy to use, and everybody knows Win is one of the biggest and best brands in the gaming industry. So get off the sidelines, join in on the action, download the WinBet app on Google Play, or the Apple App Store today and put yourself in the game. Win with WinBet. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. You have to be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Terrell Burgess is my guest. Terrell, it's great to have you on. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good. Great to have you on. Thanks for making time for us. Listen, I know you're focused on that game. Yeah, it's good to have you. I know you're focused on that game on Sunday, but if you could, can you take a moment and go back to Monday night? I'm curious. That was your first playoff start of your entire career. So what was running through you prior to that game? Emotionally, what did that feel like? Um... I think uh, I, I I don't think I got nervous until like right before the game started. But once I got on the field, I was fine. But yeah, I'd say I was probably probably a little nervous once the game started because it was it was a little louder than usual in there. And SoFi Stadium's already a loud stadium, so once it started started rocking right before kickoff, it was it was a nervous feeling, but it was it was a good feeling. So I was I'm happy I got to go through that. Dude, speaking of how loud that place was in the build up to that game, you were talking about how much you were looking forward to playing a playoff game in front of your hometown fan or hometown fans. Watching at home, and I talked to some people in the building. I didn't go to that particular game, but it seemed loud. I mean, really, really loud. As a player, how did it feel to you? And then what did that mean to you? Uh, it, it was really cool. I think uh, it's always a great testament to how great of fans you have when 
they they like to show up every week for your home games and you know play and scream loud especially on third down when we're on defense and going against the other team i think it's always a it's always a great feeling knowing that they're cheering for you and they're willing to help you uh rattle the offense as well as you do yeah, and they were rattled, which I'll get to. Terrell Burgess joining us. I mean, as a defense, you jumped on them early on, and they didn't. You didn't allow a first down until the second quarter, and before you know it, you're up twenty-eight nothing before they scored. What was the key to shutting down their offense? Um, well, a big part of their offense is their quarterback. He's very dynamic. He can run. He can pass. He makes a lot of plays with his feet. And uh, I think a big part of what we were trying to do were contain him, keep him in the pocket, make sure he doesn't create. Uh, I guess you can say longer plays with his feet. So that was a big point. And then stopping the run. They've been ha- they've been doing really well at the run this year. So that was another big uh, point of emphasis going into the game on Monday. Yeah, makes sense. Terrell Bridges joining us. So what about this week of practice? What's it been like in preparation for Tampa Bay? <laughs> it's been great. Uh, it's always it's always great to get another opportunity to play the game, especially in the playoffs when the crowd's going to be rocking wherever you are. So uh, practice has been great this week. Uh, we're excited to be able to another opportunity to go down to Tampa and uh, play them again like we did last year and uh, hoping to come out with a win. Hey, let me ask you this. It seemed like for a while people were not really paying much attention to the job that D coordinator Raheem Morris was doing this season. Now that's starting to change, and once again his name is coming up as a possible head coach again. In your opinion, what makes him effective as a leader and as a schematic coach? I think it, it may not even be what it is, uh, what he does like in regards to football, but I think it's just, him as a human being, him as a person, he just—he's just one of those guys you, that you love to play for. You love to be able to love to be around him, and and as well as when it comes to football, he's definitely really smart when it comes to defensive scheme and how he approaches each game week. So. I think he's just a great person, and I love, I love being able to play for him. I think that's really interesting what you just said, that you jumped right to. It's not even necessarily scheme, which he's strong at. It's the kind of person he is, the human being that he is. I want to skip ahead to something. Like, you had a significant injury, and you were going through rehab, but everybody around you was talking about how upbeat you were, how positive you were, that you were constantly supporting your teammates. You told the athletic, quote, I really do believe – that I'm a humanitarian first and a football player second. Obviously, I love football, but I don't want to be known as just a football player. If I can impact somebody else's life in any way, that's more important to me. I mean, normally, yeah, normally when you play the way you play at the level you play to get to where you are, you got to be all in, and it's almost always all about football, but that's not what I'm hearing. Where did this perspective, this outlook that you have come from? Um, that's a great question. People ask me that all the time. I don't know. I think it's always been, I've always been that way since probably like middle school or high school. I've always been one that like to do what I can to help others. And I think it's just, it's grown over the years. And now I've really become, I really believe that that's, that's who I am today. And I plan to continue to grow in that aspect of my life. Tremendous. Terrell Burgess joining us. Now, the secondary has lost a number of guys due to injury over the past few weeks. As a result, they brought back my dude, Eric Weddle. I've always had a tremendous relationship with him. I've got to ask you, what's it like having the fellow SoCal and Utah legend back on the team after he had been out of the league for a couple of years? It's great. Uh, I definitely have always considered him like a mentor, especially, you know, from San Diego to, to Utah and now at the Rams. Well, I consider him a mentor, and now him being my teammate right now, it's, it's pretty great. He's a smart human being, and I love being able to you know, share a meeting room and, and the field with him. 
All right, so like Weddle, you played your college ball at Utah. Again, I've got tremendous respect for Cal Whittingham and for the program. What was it like to play there? And then what was your biggest takeaway from your time in the program? Um, well, first off, I, I guess I can't go without saying that it's definitely different weather there than it is in San Diego. We'll start oh, yeah, with I that. know that. So that, 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 was, that was interesting. But um, it, it was great. I think they, uh, we have a great program out there in Utah, and uh, I'm – blessed to be able to have spent my four years there and you know made it to the nfl i think that they're they're definitely on the rise and they're definitely going to be a school and a team to check out over these next few years there's no doubt like i used to talk to steve smith about that as well you know an la guy went to utah i don't think people understand like we we are southern california natives people like you and i we are used to a certain way of life when it comes to weather what was that like that first year as a freshman when you got there and you're like dude the winter time man it is bitterly cold Oh, it was it was very interesting, but I, I I definitely you know I couldn't complain too much because it was a decision that I made going there. But it, it was a lot of fun. I think um, the coldest it got my freshman year I think was like 15 degrees, and we practiced outside, so that was a, that was a cold day. But we also had an indoor, so there were still days where we practiced inside. But it, it was it was really cold. But I don't think I would change my decision for the world. No, I would imagine and it makes you better and it makes you tougher and you learn to deal with the elements. Terrell Burgess joining us. I want to ask you in terms of like adversity and dealing with things. Last year was a tough year in the sense that you came in as a rookie and you were starting to find your rhythm. And in fact, you were having your most productive game of the year when you broke your ankle. What was it like then to get to the NFL to start to carve out a name and a spot for yourself and then miss the rest of the season, even if you know injury is part of the game? Um, I think it was really tough. I think when I was going through it, I didn't uh, realize how tough it was until maybe once. I think the first day I was able to walk was probably one of the most emotional days I had over the last the past year. And I think that uh, that's when I realized like I had really like gone through something. I think when it first when I first broke my ankle, I was still really positive, and I and throughout the whole recovery process, I was positive. But I think that the first day I was able to walk was was a big uh, was a big moment for me, and I'm just grateful that I had a great support system around me, and you know now I'm up running and walking and playing the best of my abilities again. Well, explain that though. Like, what? How long did it take you to be able to get to walk for that first day, and what went into getting to that day? Why was that so emotional? Obviously, because of the work that went into it. Uh, I think I think uh, a lot of times we as humans we kind of take for granted the the different things that a lot of people are not able to do like speaking correct I guess you can say speaking correctly or even just walking it's such like a a natural thing when you get out of bed so um, I think it was about 12 weeks before I was able to put any pressure on my on my foot and then a couple weeks after that I was able to walk again so it, it took it took a lot of a lot of time a lot of uh, painful days in the training room a lot of a lot of uh, days at home where I was doing things on my own, but, uh, you know, I made it out, and uh, I think it made me a better person today. Listen, fans never see that, right? We have no idea. Guys get hurt, they go away, they come back, but we don't understand that, like, you break your ankle, it takes 12 weeks before you can even put any kind of pressure on it at all and take that first step. That's that's really amazing. I think the average person does not know that. Really quickly, if we were to go back further, you played your high school ball at San Marcos down in San Diego County. What was it like to grow up down there, and when did you realize you could play football at a really elite level? Ooh, that's a great question. Um uh, I think the moment I realized was probably like my junior year. I think my 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 high school coach, Coach Texler, he really uh he really like we had like a conversation one day and he was like telling me that I really had a, a really good chance to go and I was like, 
you know, I always thought that I, you know, I always had confidence in myself and I always thought that I could, you know, play at the college level. It was always a dream of mine to play at the college level. And, you know, once I started getting uh, college scholarships, I was like, wow, this is really a possibility. And then I went to, you know, college and then there was like NFL scouts that were always at practice. And I was like, wow, like this is, this is the real deal. So I think once, probably like my junior year in high school to my freshman year in college was once those were, that was the moment when I really realized that I could really uh, make this thing happen. And, you know, and now I'm here playing for the LA Rams, but playing the divisional round against Tampa Bay. Can't beat that. Last thought then, the divisional round against Tampa Bay, the world champs, you're going to face Tom Brady. If you want to watch any film on this old dude, there's more than two decades of film to watch. <laughs> what is your number one focus going into the game? Uh, my number one focus is just to play within myself. Don't try and do too much. Um, do what I can to, to help the team win, whatever whatever that, uh, that uh, opportunity is. And, Beat, beat the Buccaneers. There you go. He's a safety for the LA Rams coming off a big game against Arizona. Five tackles again, 10 tackles in the last two weeks. LA at Tampa Bay Sunday. Big game. Terrell Burgess, my guest. My man, great to have you on the show, Terrell. Great talking to you. Good luck this weekend. It's going to be a big one. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you appreciate for having me. Appreciate you. Thank you. And now a message from Discover about rewards. If you're a loyal credit card customer, you should be rewarded for your loyalty, preferably with something that is useful, you know, like cashback match. Discover matches all the cash back that you have earned at the end of your first year. Finally, rewards that make sense. Discover exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations do apply. Kyler Edwards is my guest. Kyler, it's good to have you on the show. How are you? Yeah, how are you doing? Good, Thanks dude, good. It is good to have you. So I mentioned you beat South Florida. Let me start right there, Kyler. Tuesday night, that's eight wins in a row overall. It extended the third longest home winning streak in the country. So what is the vibe like around the team right now? How do you feel about the way the guys are playing? Uh, I think we're in a good rhythm right now uh, overall just because of uh, how we're uh, uh, meshing together. And I think I think we just really genuinely just like playing the game together. So I mean, that's just a plus for us as a team. Rhythm is a good word. I was going to ask you about that because you had a career high twenty nine Saturday, and then you chased that with twenty three and seven on Tuesday. Do you feel like you're at a point right now where you're in such a rhythm that it feels like pretty much everything is going to go in? Oh yeah, uh, I think I was getting a, a pretty good rhythm before my ankle injury. Uh, I guess Texas State. I, I thought I had a really good, you know, shooting shooting night. But um, you know, just getting back in the gym and uh, taking care of my business. You know, uh, doing them uh, individual individual workouts. You know, going hard. You know, you know. I, I think I get my, my a good rhythm right now, and um, I think my team is looking for me a lot. So. Kyler Edwards joining us. Give the credit to them. Yeah, you know what I was going to say? Excuse me, you mentioned the injury. I was going to ask you about that a little bit later on, but since you brought it up, I want to ask you. And from the outside, it seems pretty clear to me that if you're going to play through something like that, and you did play through something like that, in part that's got to be because of the teammates you just mentioned, right? How strongly you feel about them. If you're playing through the pain, you didn't want to stay away. Like, how did you go about doing that, playing through it, and why was that so important to you? Okay, so... The injury is I had a great two sprain and I had uh some ligament tears, but uh so so that is usually like four to six weeks sit out. That's just sitting there, you know, not doing anything. But I mean, uh I seen the team and I, I, I love these guys so much that, you know, I wanted to get out there, you know, do anything I could to help them. So my first game come back, I didn't think I was gonna play that much but I ended up playing uh, a lot of minutes. But I mean I was just excited to be out there 
and um and right now my ankles is uh is getting better right now so as we speak so I just love playing with you guys. I like that. I figured that was it. Kyler Edwards joining us. Now, the fact is you've been playing at a really high level, an elite level, since you arrived in college, including going to the Final Four as a freshman. So this is a situation where consciously you've said, I mean, or is it? Consciously where you say, I've got to get this team on my back, or maybe is it just how the offense is flowing through you right now? Oh, yeah, I mean – I think I just give credit to my teammates. You know, they know what I can do. They've been seeing me since this summer. So, I mean, they know my game, and they know where my spots are. So, I mean, they're looking for me. I'm looking for them as well. So, I mean, we're just really meshing right now, like I said. You know, you were playing for Chris Beard at Texas Tech prior to the season, and then you entered the transfer portal, which is always really interesting. What made you decide to look around, and then what was that process like for you? Um, I really just wanted to, um, you know, take a chance on myself, you know, um, and, uh, you know, Coach Sampson and uh, the coaching staff really believed in me. And I already had a relationship with those guys from high school. You know, they recruited me since I was a sophomore year, since my sophomore year of high school. And um, I scrimmaged them every year as well with Tech, with Texas Tech, Texas Tech versus Houston, we scrimmaged every year. And last year we actually got to play them in a real game. So, I mean, you know, I already knew the culture here. I already knew the coaching staff, so I just already was familiar with them. So, I mean, I already trusted them with my career, my last year. Hey, let me ask you something, Color. Like, you had a familiarity, right? Like, you knew those guys, and you kind of knew them on a certain level, and you're not afraid of hard work now. However, and even if you say you knew the culture, the thing about Kelvin, and that's my guy right there, I love Kelvin Sampson, but I've never played for him, but I know he's tough, and I know he's demanding. Did you know what you were getting into? You might be thriving in that right now, but until you're actually in it and living it, do you know what the, the hard work involves and what the demands require? Right. Uh, at first, I, I knew he was a, you know, you know, a, a great coach, uh, you know, a hard-nosed coach. But, I mean, he, he, he just wants the best for his guys. I mean, he, he loves everybody on, on the team. He just wanted the best for him. So uh, just being under that coach, you know, and just knowing that he got your back at all times, it gives you confidence as a, as a player. Now, there's no doubt he cares about his guys. He's going to be very demanding of his guys, but he does care about his guys. Guys who are in the program talk about the fact that Kyler usually takes new players a month or two to get used to how hard those practices are. Fabian White said, quote, we do a lot of stuff that a lot of guys are not used to, end of quote. You were coming from a program, though, that valued defense and working hard. So what was that transition like for you? Were you better prepared coming in than a lot of guys would be? I was prepared, but, you know, I was just still new. Like, I was pretty much a freshman at the beginning. I mean, I didn't know what was going on, how the practice was going to go. So I was pretty much just, you know, just following following the leaders like they at first, you know, um, just listening to whatever they got to say so I can uh, fall in and fit in. All right, so let me underline this. We're talking about a program that went to the Final Four last season and then lost a bunch of talent and then lost players to injury this year, yet you're in the top ten right now and you're in the thick of it for a national championship. So what's that say about the program and culture and then all the talent and heart that you guys have in that locker room? Um, the culture is very strong here. I mean, you have no choice but to get with it or, 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 or get out of it. So I mean, I love uh, that. So, so with the players we have right now, we have a lot of good pieces still. Even though we have uh, two of our best players out for the season, we still have a lot of a lot of more pieces, and that's just credit to um, the coaching coaching staff and how how they put us in uh, different situations.
Dude, you got no choice but to get with it or get out of it. I actually like that. I respect that. Now, you were also a key part of that Texas Tech team that went to the Final Four and was this close to winning the entire thing. You played big minutes in the championship game. What do you recall about that experience, and then how badly does that make you want to get back there? Um, I'll say that was probably the best experience I had in college basketball, you know, just going up there and having that experience off the court or on the court. I mean, that was just the best experience I had uh, completely. But, um, you know, ever since we've we, we been there, I've been trying to get there every year. You know, I, I, I'm hungry for it. And I think we have a real chance this year. And, uh, and Coach knows it, Coach sees it, and we have an understanding that, you know, we, we both trying to do the same thing. That's winning that championship. Now, earlier this season, you scored your 1,000th career point. It's a really big number. It's a great milestone. What did it mean to you to reach that? And as somebody who grew up in Arlington, what did it mean to do it in a game that took place in the DFW? Yeah, just scoring that 1,000 point, I mean, it was just a, you know, like a, a milestone for like all the hard work you done put in as a freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. Yeah, it's just like a whole bunch of you know, milestones checked off. But um, and to do it in front of my home crowd, you know, I had my family there. I had a lot of friends there. It was just, it was just uh, a lot of love after the game. So, Kyler, you know, I could uh, keep talking to you about all these great games you've had, but, you know, it, the shots don't always go down, right? You had a rough shooting night against Wichita State where you went one for 14, but you kept mm-hmm. shooting it. And Kelvin Sampson pointed out that you were great defensively. What was that game like for you? And then how were you able to keep battling on the other end of the floor and not let the shots, the missed shots, get to you and get inside your head? Well, I don't, I don't really define my game as just being like just a shooter or, or being a scorer. I mean, I, I like to do other things like pass, assist, or anything to help the team out. So, I mean, that night my shot wasn't falling, but I still, I still can't let that affect the other end of the court, which is playing defense. So I got to bring that every night regardless of if I'm hitting or if I'm missing. So... So defense, I really took pride in that that night and every night. Okay, I was exactly every night. One last thought on that because a lot of guys in your position who want to focus on offense or could focus on offense could kind of just try to get by with the bare minimum of defense. Now I know Kelvin, he's not going to have any of that. But how would you describe your mindset, your particular mindset defensively? I'm gonna tell you a story. When I got into college, yeah, do that. Tell me a story, man. I need a story. (laughs) So when I got in college. You know, Coach, I, I didn't know too much about Coach Beer and, uh, you know, Texas Tech, you know, defense and stuff. So, come out of high school, everybody wants to be a scorer, a scorer and everything. And he told me the only way I was going to be on the court is was to play defense. And I never played defense before. So, I mean, I wanted to be on the court bad. I didn't want to sit, I didn't want to sit my first year or I didn't want to get, like, minimal playing time. So, I mean, I, I worked hard as I could to uh, really understand how to, how to lock down uh, the uh, opposing team best player and um i just kept working that by the way that's a great story i had never played defense before but i want to make sure i got on the floor hey, kyler in no way do i want to disrespect kelvin because he's one of my favorite guys but so is chris beard i mean these literally are two of my favorite coaches ever do you have any other chris beard stories that you need to share uh hmm, okay i got one for you um so you know as a freshman you know you don't know you don't know any better you just trying to, you know, just trying to, you know, fit in and stuff. So I wore two different colored shoes <laughs> for the game, you know, just, be, just being like, you know, a freshman, just young. So <laughs> he gets me off the bench and tells me to go to the locker room and change my shoes, and I had to come back out. So, I mean, that was that was the middle of the game. He could tell you, he could tell you that too. 
But um, but yeah, that was just a funny story. That now, is a, now I'm looking back at it. That is great, dude. That's another great story. So of those two guys, man, they, they, these guys are both so hard-nosed. Who's tougher, Kelvin or Chris Beard? Oh, uh, <laughs> I really, I really don't, really don't even know the answer to that one. But they're, they're both great coaches and both tough in their own way. And uh, they both expect the best out of you. Hey, can I tell me, tell me I'm wrong, but because I'm not wrong, they both care about the player, though, right? Oh, most definitely. They'll do anything for you. Kyler Edwards, he is a 2021 academic All-Big 12 first-teamer. Hey, by the way, what does that mean to you, to be an academic all-conference player? Um, that's just I, – I, I do it for my parents, you know, the academic side and, and the basketball side too, but mostly academic because, uh, you know, they don't put all the hard work in, you know, you know, uh, seeing me going through through all the training and all the, you know, the test tutors and all that. So, I mean, I just wanted to, you know, repay them by um, – by getting the grades in school. Dude, what do you think they're more proud of? Your work in the classroom or your work on the floor? Oh, I mean, I, I really can't tell you. It's probably, it's probably both. So does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for all the good stuff. Well, let me tell you about a very simple way to get all that entertainment that you love without all that hassle I'm talking about, and it's a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again. And the very best part, there is no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible devices required. Content varies by package. Right here on the program on Fridays, starring the big head himself, James Kelly. First of all, head, how you living? Well, better than loaf. You, Jim? Why did I know you were going to go there? <laughs> I heard you was a Cowboy fan, too, but I guess the upside of that is no more Mike McCarthy product, huh? Uh, are you done? I'm done. I'm uh, good. I'm, I, I'm living great, uh, Jim. Let, Thank let you. Me, let me ask you something. Are you having fun? <laughs> I because am, Because I'm not. I'm uh. not. Stick to the script. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the big head, James Kelly. He, I would say you never know what you're going to get, but you know exactly what you're going to get from this guy. Secondly, head, why don't you remind the clones how you did last week when you did what I pay you to do, namely come on, do your job, and pick games. How did you do last weekend? Five and one, Jim. Five and one against the spread. We made a lot of money last weekend. It was fantastic. That is fantastic. Five and one against the spread. All right. This isn't punk. This isn't some, oh, yeah, we'll just pick them straight up. Five and one against the spread is really good. All right. Now, the good news is this weekend head is incredible. It's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And I really feel like I can make a good argument for any of the eight remaining teams to advance. The Mm -hmm. bad news is. At least from a gambling standpoint, I really feel like I can make an argument for any of the eight teams to advance or at least beat the spread. That's how tough this right. weekend is. Is there one game? For me, anyway, there's not one game where I could say, that's the one, no-brainer, I feel great about it. I'm going to hit that one hard. Is that how you see it? Or maybe do you see one or two opportunities that you feel more strongly about than the rest? No, I wouldn't be surprised if any team won this weekend. I still honestly think that five of these teams left of the eight could win the Super Bowl, and all eight could actually probably, if everything falls right, make the Super Bowl. So 
every single game is absolutely tough, yes. All right, so no, I'm not trying to set this up to cover our own ass. I'm trying to set this up to say that it's going to be a really awesome competitive weekend. Let's do it, Head. Hell yeah. Bengals v. Titans, Saturday on CBS. Let me set you up for this. The Bengals are a great story. It's unbelievable that they got here. Well, unbelievable to everybody except the guy who got them here, Joe Burrow. I think I've made it pretty clear. And if I haven't done so already, let me do it again right now. This is a big Joe Burrow house. I love this guy. I think he's a really different dude. I think he's a special dude. He's a dude. You need these types of dudes to win playoff games. And he's right when he says there is a new standard in the natty. Now, that said... I think they're in tough Saturday. The Titans are rested. They're getting healthy, i.e. they will have the king, Derrick Henry, back, and they're at home. Head, what is the number? What is your pick? The line is uh, Titans minus 3.5 right now. I'll go natty and take the points here, Jim. The biggest concern for the Bengals is stopping that Titans running game that you were just talking about, whether it's King Henry or Foreman or whoever. The Bengals, though, Ranked fifth against the run, so that sets up good. But the past month, they've been slipping, and that defensive line is busted up after the wild card. They have to find a way to make the worst passing team left in the playoffs beat them. I'm all about Cool Joe here, man. Like you said, can they protect him? He was sacked 51 times this year, the most in the NFL, and the Titans' front seven is physical, healthier, and they get after the quarterback. If the Bengals can keep Burrow upright, and give him time. I think he could expose those Titans corners. Since he was first in the NFL in yards per attempt, and the Titans give up the big play. Also, against the spread numbers, the Bengals are good in this spot. They're actually great in this spot. They went 4-1 and one as an away dog, hitting on 80% of those games against the spread. Let's go with cool Joe Burrow, Cincy plus 3.5. Look at the head, Cincy plus 3.5. Don't you slaps come in here and criticize him for going chalk. Wow. All right. So already I'm a little surprised. A little bit, but not really. Here's my pick. I said it yesterday. I've been calling the Browns America's team for a couple of years now. But right now, the Bengals are Ohio's team. There is so much to like about these guys. I just like the Titans a little more tomorrow at home coming off the bye. I have no idea what to expect from Derrick Henry. I'm not going to say they're going to give it to the guy 20 times and tell him to go out there and win the game for them. But would it surprise anybody at all if he did? He's that much of a freak. Bottom line, they locked up that one seed without Henry. They win without Henry. It says here, if they can win without him, they can win with him. Because more often than not, the Titans are a team that just finds a way. That is not a pick against the Bengals. It's a pick for the Titans. Already the head and I are on opposite ends. Second game, Saturday. Niners traveling to Green Bay to deal with the Packers. Same as the Bengals. While the Niners do not have decades of futility like the Bengals do head, as banged up as they are, they did show me a hell of a lot to get there. Beating Dallas in their house does count for something. I'm not sure how much that counts for, given the fact that everybody knew that Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys would implode when it mattered most, and they did right on cue, set your clock to it. Green Bay, while flawed, is not going to give them this game. The Niners are going to have to rip it from them, and they're going to have to travel too and play in some brutal elements to do it, Head. As much as I respect the Niners, the Packers are just better. The question is, are they five and a half points better? What are you doing with this game, Head? 
I'm going to say yes, they are. I'm going to take Green Bay and lay, lay the points here, Jim. Look, as much pressure as there is on Matthew Stafford this week, and I think there's as much or even more on Matt LaFleur to win this game, he has to beat Lobster Jr. and get by the San Francisco 49ers. His biggest issues here outside of his um, ass special teams is slowing down the 49ers' run game. Football Outsiders has Green Bay ranked 28th in their run metric. Not good. Kenny Clark and his guys have to minimize the damage, and maybe Rodgers and the Packers Oak can help good. out by getting ahead here. Of course, the QB matchup is the big, biggest difference in this game. The 49ers can get after the quarterback, but they don't create a lot of turnovers on the back end, and Rodgers doesn't throw interceptions. Jimmy G does, and when he does, the 49ers are 3-6 and six on the year as opposed to 7-0 and oh when he doesn't. I'm going with the team who has covered on 85% of their games in this role. That role is a home favorite, and I'm going with the GOAT at QB covering in that nut-numbing weather and minus 5.5 Packers. Nut-numbing weather. Ooh, cold. Okay, you used your one nut-numb reference allowable. You used your one ass reference allowable. Know your room. Green Bay minus five and a half. All right, my pick, I like the Niners. I like them a lot. I just don't like them more than I like Aaron Rodgers at home coming off a bye. The Niners did do them a couple of years back in the postseason, and there's no way Rodgers, given what's at stake for this season and his legacy, no way he's going to let them come into his house and do them again, just as there's no way Jimmy Garoppolo is going to beat the soon-to-be back-to-back MVP in his house in the playoffs. I understand it's not Garoppolo v. Rodgers. It's Niners v. Packers. I just do not see a scenario where Garoppolo gets over on Aaron Rodgers. Not tomorrow. I love Green Bay here. Only question to me is do they cover? I say yes. Temps are going to be in the single digits or worse tomorrow in Green Bay. I don't think the Niners want any of that. That's cold, right? That is like butthole pucker cold. <laughs> butthole. 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 Butthole blast. There you go. All right, so you and I are on the same page on that one. All right, Sunday. Head, let's move on to Sunday. Rams v. Bucks. Love that game. I would say the Rams are playing their best ball and hitting their stride when it matters most after wrecking the cards. But per usual, the question is, are the Rams that good or was Arizona that bad? And per usual head, the answer is yes. The Rams are playing great ball and the cards puked all over themselves. Yes, we did learn some things about the Rams in that beatdown, but they beat down a team that looked like it had no business being in the postseason at all. But we learned even less about the Bucks, who beat a team that belonged in the playoffs, even less than the Cards, the Eagles. Mm -hmm. Normally, head, I would say that more football is a good thing, not last weekend. There was nothing super about Super Wild Card Weekend other than it was super crappy. But that was then. This is now the real matchup. Here it is. Rams, Bucks. What is your number? Who you got? The number I got is the Rams plus three. If you want it, I'll take it, Jim. I think Tom Brady will adjust to his banged-up line by getting rid of the ball fast and relying on Leonard Fournette, who looks like he will play, but I still think that L.A. front four harasses that old man. They pressured him 16 times with a healthy Tristan Wirfs and Ryan Jensen in week three without Von Miller, and neither of those guys will be their typical selves Sunday. Um, Good if point, they go Head. At all. Good What's point, that? Head. Yes. And Von Miller's playing well, too. 
he's playing great right now. So as far as the Rams' offense, Stafford actually matches up okay against these guys. Nobody blitzes more than Todd Bowles, and statistically this season, nobody was better against the blitz than Cheeks himself. And when Fat Face Jeez. hits triple, fat tri face. Fat face. triple digits ratings, his team wins games, Jim. He is 10-0 and 0 when he does that. I also think this is where Frozen Foot finally becomes the Bucks' death knell. You beat the Rams by attacking everyone outside of Jalen Ramsey. And with Ramsey on Mike Evans, I just don't think Tampa has the weapons against the spread. They love the numbers. Love the Bucks. They are seven and one in their last eight games as a home favorite. They are four and zero oh in their last four playoff games against the spread. But I'm going against that. I'm going with the Rams in plus three. Wow! Again, he's not going chalk. You're on fire today, Head. I like it. I like it. Some good info right there. Let me once again reiterate this point before I say which way I lean. Credit to Matthew Stafford for finally getting off the mat and winning that first playoff game. Finally. Nobody can take that from him. And I'm not going to try. But let's not act like dude is out of the woods. Let's not act like this dude is in the clear. The Rams went all bleeping in. They did not make all the moves they made to beat up on a wild card team and advance to the divisional round. They made the move for Stafford and Vaughn Miller and Odell Beckham Jr. to win the Super Bowl and to win it this year in their house. Yes, Stafford won. Yes, he did what they needed him to do. But they're going to need him to do more if they're going to beat the Bucs. I don't have supreme confidence that he will, but I do have confidence that the Rams can run it well enough, get enough pressure consistently on TB44, and grind out the win. Head, I'm on the same page as you. Nice. I like the Rams in this spot, and I like them with the points. I'm going to go Rams, plus three. All right, game of the weekend. Probably the game of the year. Bills v. Chiefs. The Bills smashed the Chiefs earlier this year, Head. We know that. Mm. The Chiefs are a much different team now than they were then. We know that. But so are the Bills, who just wrecked the Hood and the Pats. Not that anybody is confusing the Hood and the Pats with Andy Reid and the Chiefs right now. Mm. It's the thing, right? The Chiefs may not be the juggernaut they were when they won it all, but they still look a hell of a lot more dangerous and a lot more like that crew now than they did earlier. Incredible matchup. I can make as good of an argument for either side, which is why this one is a point and a half or two, depending where you see it. What's the number you ended up with? What is your lean? I see the two is what I got there. Um, look, man, for all the talk of Josh Allen's greatness last week, it's like people forgot about Patty Mahomes and what he did against Pittsburgh. He was Josh historic Allen. himself. He threw for over 400 yards, five touchdowns, and completed more than 70% of his passes, Jim. I just wanted to point that out, actually, because I'm still going against the Chiefs. I'm going mafia here and oh. taking the plus two. No, Man. you are not, Head. Yes, I am. I'm going Bills Mafia. I should have took them last week. I made a mistake here. Both teams have explosive offenses, obviously. We all know that. But a small advantage, I think, will be Allen and Devin Singletary in the run game for the Bills. And on defense, credit to KC for improving there. But the Bills D is better, and that's the difference. I don't think they are the best in the NFL like Football Outsiders has them. But the pass D is their strength. That's what you want to do against KC, and they are the best team in the NFL on third down, and they're better than KC's D in the red zone. They also have the best pressure rate in the NFL, and that will be massive again this weekend, considering they won't bring extra guys probably like they did against Mahomes in Week 5. Tredavious White does scare the hell out of me, but I'm a believer in Buffalo. I, I, I started believing in them against Tampa Bay earlier in this season. 
They're a touch better. I'll take the plus two points. Let's go Mafia. I'm shocked. I did not think that you would do that, but I'm going the same way. Obviously, if you heard the show open, I'm definitely taking the Bills. I'm going to ride with the Bills. They're on an absolute heater. Josh Allen is locked in. At the same time, he does not need to go Superman. He does not need to do it all by himself. He can, but he doesn't need to because the Bills can now run it, and they have committed to running it. I think that defense is flying around. I think they're playing with a huge chip on their shoulder, as is the offense and the coaches for the reasons I mentioned. Not only did they lose last year, but McDermott did get fired by Andy Reid and replaced by an offensive coach. I think they're going to get it done. I think they're ready. I'm taking the Bills and the points. All right, so you and I are on the same page on three of these games. Before I let you go, we have ourselves a fister up the road from us in Cali, UFC 270. Not just a fister head, but a heavyweight fister. One of the best matchups ever. Francis Mm -hmm. Ngannou, arguably the most powerful knockout artist in the sport, maybe ever, going up against the interim champ who carries nearly as much punching power, but in my mind, Mm -hmm. superior striking ability. Ngann, dude, it's an all-timer. I know you love the value. I know you can get it, and the champ, if you want it. This is how good the interim champ is. The interim champ is favored over the guy. Mm -hmm. Who do you like here? That's the jacked up thing because for the most of the time, up until the last couple days, Gon was actually the underdog and now the money is flipped. So it's the other way around what you just said. Gon is now minus 150 and the champ is plus 123. Uh, this fight is pretty easy to preview actually. It's Gon and if he can go 25 minutes or not of not getting his head knocked off by that monster... The scariest dude in the history of MMA, and I think he will, Jim. I'm going with Gon here. He's a better technical fighter. And because he does have a history of doing well against power punchers, I'm going with him minus 150 to beat Francis Ngannou. All right, so let me check something really quick because I I will say for the record, no allegedly, no reportedly, Mm -hmm. I'll get down on MMA. I did hit that. I want to see what number I got real quick. Probably I should have done that before. I should have done it on Monday when I wanted okay, to Okay, I want to go back to that point in a minute also. Because yeah. like, you and I go back and forth on, do we hit it early in the week, whatever it is, or mm-hmm. if I were to play the games, do I hit them earlier in the week, or do we wait until right before? What's your philosophy on that? Like, you want to wait as long as you can to get as much information as you can, but it hurts you in this case. Yeah, so MMA, it hurt me here. I haven't really seen a fight like this, especially with Ngannou, because I thought, I mean, he just he just finished uh, Miocic, the, the, the right. perceived greatest heavyweight of all time. Destroyed him. He destroyed him. So I, I thought I would get gone all along, because I saw him fight against Lewis the last time. I've seen all of his fights, but I'm like, oh, man, this guy could actually beat Francis. But I thought he'd be somewhere, you know, plus two almost 200 plus 175 he was so though confident. he was yeah. though at the start of the week yes I don't, all right I, so now okay what did you get minus 150 minus 150 yep. i got minus 152 all right i went there too all right so you and i are on the same page on everything except the Bengals and titans if they're joining us late and you'll retweet this in a minute run down very quickly who do you have this weekend I'm going with the underdogs this weekend. Bengals plus three and a half. Rams plus three. Mafia plus two. Packers minus five and a half. The only favorite I'm taking there. And then I'm going to take Gone minus 150 to beat. All right, like I said, I am with you on every single one. I'm a half point off on some of these things, but I'm with you on every single one except the Bengals and the Titans. And Natty, don't hate on me. It's not a pick against you. It's a pick for the Titans. Head. Awesome job. A super fat segment. Put it up on Twitter. I'll make sure to retweet that. All right, Jim. Thanks a lot, man.
the big head. Hey, you want a new podcast to look forward to every single week? One that's entertaining, informative, and packed with actionable content. Of course you do. The average podcast listener has six shows in rotation, so you're most likely not just listening to The Daily Jungle, and that's totally fine. In fact, let me suggest a podcast that you should add to your list. It's The Jordan Harbinger Show, a top-shelf podcast named Best of Apple in 2018. Jordan dives into the minds of fascinating people from athletes, authors, and scientists to mobsters, spies, hostage negotiators, and more. Jordan is one of the goats when it comes to podcasting, and he has got one of the most highly rated self-development shows out there right now. Point blank, this dude is smart, he's funny, he is easy to listen to. You will find actionable advice that can improve your life directly. You cannot go wrong with adding the Jordan Harbinger Show to your rotation. It is incredibly interesting. There is never a dull show. Search for the Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you're ready... Why don't you do what you do and roll the best freaking segment in radio history? Welcome to the jungle. I would say what's cracking, what's going on. I would imagine some of you are having a very good day. I would imagine some of you are having a very bad day. I would imagine some of you are hungover and don't care. I would imagine some of you are hungover and miserable. Was the ending of that game yesterday not the most cowboy thing ever? Yeah! But there's eight seconds left in counting. They scurry up to the line of scrimmage. Down to one. It's down to zeros. That's the end of the game. The big fella, Mike McCarthy, if you need him. You shouldn't have any problem getting the ball. That's, that's the point you're looking for. Finding new ways to be truly awful and blow a game in a season and do it all at home. Eric Armstead joining us. You know, I knew it was going to be close and tough to do that and, and get everyone set up. You know, it didn't work out for them and we were definitely happy about that. It's like having the hottest wife at a party and she's wearing that LBD. So I get the hate and that's our burden as Cowboys fans. Picked off a sliding grab in the end zone. Micah Hyde. Micah Hyde is my guest. Oh my gosh. Uh, it was amazing. As soon as we were able to run out the tunnel, that energy in that stadium, driving to the stadium, seeing the people tailgating. You know, it was just one of those feelings that we just knew we were going to win. Little Josh McDaniels, other than changing Mac Jones' diaper at halftime, then breastfeeding him after the game, McDaniels has rendered himself pretty much useless. The Raiders have actually gotten fat as f- on beating You can't say those things here. No, are you sure? Yes, I feel like I'm an expert at this area, so I got you. Why do you feel like you're an expert? You're like the worst at this area. You're the worst ever. I got it. All right. The pass, Burrow looks, fires right side, and that is caught for a Bengal touchdown. Jimmy Shaw's finally like Joe Burrow. To me, he is so exceptional. I've confident Wayne Gretzky. See a play two or three passes beyond that first pass. And the second part, he's Ray Donovan, man. He's straight up killing DJ, DJ, Jano, get up. What, what, what? Are you having a bad dream? No, I'm just dreaming about Mike McCarthy. I can't stop thinking about McCarthy again. Jimmo's. It's just funnier and funnier every night. It keeps waking me up. Dwayne Finney-Smith is joining us. You know, sometimes when you start missing shots, you start looking at your mechanic, but it, it really just be mental. Everybody go through shooting slumps. Clay Thompson went through a shooting slump. Right. Who am I to think that I ain't going to ever have bad shooting games? You know what I'm saying? I'm talking to Chris Herring. A note that he left on Nelson's desk was like, if you ever effing take me out of a game, again, essentially I'm going to kill you. Don Nelson was playing Anthony Mason more than any player in the league that year. He led the league in minutes that year. I'm baffled by his porn on Twitter with so many technologies and platforms available. I mean, come on, Curtis. 
God forbid the phone were to slip out of your hand and the like or retweet button inadvertently gets hit. Uh-oh. John Hines joining us. There are really no days off. You know, I think there may be no practice or no meetings, but you've got to be on every day and you've got to manage your energy and manage your mindset the right way to give yourself the best chance no. to maintain. It's success. time to be the same ad that pops up every 10 minutes when I'm watching porn. I don't care that there's hot women 15 minutes away that want to meet me. I don't want to divorce. I just want to watch my porn in peace. Ryan Fitzpatrick has no business going without his, his shirt. He's a... Johannes... Oh, oh damn it. Yeah, my beef is that nightmare-inducing plastic face carcature on the sideline. No, I'm not talking about Jera. I'm talking about Rowdy, that Cowboys mascot. War El Pollo Hombre. Uh-oh, she's staring at me, Romy. I better go. Look out, honey. Anthony Ferkser, my guest. In your mind, what is the biggest key going into Saturday's game? I think we just got to take care of the ball. And we've had turnovers and gave our defense bad field position. It's been, um, we've ended up with losses. That's right. Yeah. So it's the right call. And added, he's a great coach. I know how to win. I know how to win in this league. I'm telling you, no one better than old Mike McCarthy. Just ask him. Jimmers, big fat Mike should worry m- <laughs> Jimmers, Big Fat Mike, should worry more. For those of you unaware, that's what is known as the battle line. Playing the guys I thought were going to win the game. He could have answered the question like, why don't we start with the fact that he can't make a damn shot? How about he's a defensive liability? How about he's a turnover factory? Bench the Space Jam. Bench the salt. Dana White joins me in studio. Vince McMahon couldn't write a better script than this. Dana, why are you so fired up, man? How many cups of coffee did you have this morning? (laughs) What are you running on? I had a Randy's donut. I love that. I got to get. What's going on, Greg? How are you? I'm doing great, Jim. How are you? Good, dude. Good. I really wish you would just play some uh, JD and Nashville takes every now and then. The hell do you have to say for yourself, Eddie Munster? I was exactly right. That was the feeling that I had, and that was exactly what happened. He drowned. Head, how you living? My hell, better than low. You, Jim? Hexy poo, hexy poo, I put a hex on you. Who loves you, baby? That's the end of the game. It was foible upon foible upon foible. No choice but to get with it or get out of it. No hombre pollo. Ooh, that's a great question. I appreciate you, Jim. Thank you, man. We'll talk soon. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, thank you. I'd love to. Thank you. I'm going to the movies with my wife, man. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good night now. Bacock! Brad and Corona. What's up, Brad? Jimbo, how you doing, my friend? Good, my man. What's going on? How are you? To what do I owe this oh, great honor? Oh, LeBron, I'm doing fantastic, Jimbo. Just amazing out here trying to stay alive. Um, listen, great segment that you just had with Big Head Bets right now. I got a quick follow-up prop bet. James Kelly is plus 3,000 on being able to pro- correctly pronounce the word bangles. Hey, Big Head, just because there's an E in the word doesn't mean you have to pronounce it. You got that, you penis? It's bangles. Bang, bang, bangles. Fix that before next week when you got to come back on the show and talk about how they're going to curb stomp the bills up in Buffalo. And speaking of that, Jim, I actually have a beef with the way you opened the show today, talking about how great the bills are. Who greenlit that take, Jim? Was it the same guy who wanted to do the tour stop in Buffalo back in 2020 that started the pandemic? Anyways, there's only one way to reverse the positive jungle karma you just gave Buffalo right now, and I'm here to do that. So Buffalo fans, Rick and Buffalo, listen closely. Hexy poo, hexy poo, I put a hex on you. That should do it. Jim, let me explain to you what's going to happen to the Bills if they get by the Chiefs this weekend. And it's the same thing that happens to Rick and Buffalo every year when he gets to the big show. 
disappointing performance and a loss against some white trash dude from a town nobody's ever heard of. That's right, Jim. Three words. Joe freaking Burrow. Remember it. Super Bowl final. Bengals 36. Rams 21. Hey, listen, I actually do want to apologize for that tweet I sent out earlier this morning about Mama Cass and Meatloaf and the ham sandwich. That's my bad. I'm sorry. I owe you better than that, and that's definitely not something I want to derail your show with. This is a sports show. I need to keep it classy, so I apologize. Hey, on a semi-related note, Jim, you know who was a huge Niners fan? Talk to me. Danny Tanner. That's not a good call. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Not a very good call. This dude. Let's go to Greg in Houston. My man in H-Town. What's going on, Greg? How are you? I'm doing great, Jim. How are you? Good, dude. Good. Go ahead. I I really wish you would just play some uh, JD in Nashville takes every now and then just to make me feel better during this pandemic. You know what would make me feel better? Ah, if I were to get rid of you right now. You don't like Damn, Chuck. I don't like that call. Why don't you Not just go to the back call. row and switch seats with Rit? Or walk out of the studio altogether? Finally. Good night, 